Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel and the Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. Random College Hooper of the Week this week, Jacobin Brown. Jacobin Brown, former point guard at the University of Texas. Jacobin Brown is one of those guys where I felt like when you looked at him, you're kind of like, how is he a Division One athlete? Not necessarily cut up, not necessarily shredded. Uh, he kind of looked a little doughy, as a matter of fact. Shades of Cassius Winston, just body type. Other than that, they couldn't be the more opposite players. Cassius was fantastic. But Jacobin Brown, your random hooper of the week. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. Big news, fellas. Big, big news. I am officially an uncle. Can you see the smile on my face? I'm elated. I know you guys got siblings. I know you have spouses. Have you experienced the joy of welcoming a new baby into this world and now being the uncle, taking it a step further, future drunkle? No. Shark, you in the uncle wagon yet? <laughs> I was expecting a little bit more of an analysis there from our guy Taylor there. But no, I have not ever been an uncle. Uh, congrats to you. Congrats to the sister-in-law. It's a very beautiful thing. We're bringing new life into the world. I'm happy for you and the family. Um, you know, we used to call you uncle for the longest time. And as I say this out loud, I'm wondering the origin of that nickname. Why did we start calling you uncle? Because we also call you father, which is obviously some... You can be an uncle and a father at the same time, but we're giving you two kind of familial names. So um, do you recall the origins of why we called you uncle? I don't recall the origins. And to break it down a little bit further, father is in reference to the Wedding Crashers uh, quote from Vince Vaughn. So it's more of a religious figure, even though I'm not Catholic, Protestant, whatever. I'm not even Christian. I'm Hindu, as a matter of fact. Call me priest. But uh, father, uncle, whatever you want to call me. I think the origin really just started. We were throwing out nicknames. And if you know us, if you know our close group of friends, we actually have a nickname matrix, multiple nicknames 
for the same person. I go by the body a couple times. He shark goes by car. Uh, you know, there's there's so many nicknames we can go down the rabbit hole. But Uncle, I think, was just it just well, rolled I, off to I mean, Uncle Stoop. Let me. Uh, I mean, it does play well. But let me jump in here real quick because you're acting like, you know, if you know us, um, you're going to know these nicknames. Well, I mean, we're doing this show right now on in the middle of perhaps the most divisive election in the entire history of the greatest country in the world. Nobody's going to be listening to the show outside of people that know us. So you don't even have to go into the description right there about why they, why they're even listening. Think about how deep this matrix is though. You said shark goes as car. So you even used a nickname to describe the guy that goes as another nickname. We don't even use his real name when even getting into this matrix. That's how deep that really is. And to your, to, to you, Taylor, the impaler, Taylor gang, TD, all of the, all of it just rolls off the tongue very well but yes now an uncle new responsibilities here fellas great responsibility coming with with being the uncle you got to set the tone you have to be that that outlet when the young nephew doesn't want to listen to his parents you got to be able to provide that insight that feedback that 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 uncle like uh sage advice so can i ask you a question since you already brought it up is a hindu person allowed to be like a, a godfather yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I, you I don't might, you so. might have to read the fine prints on that one because I'm not sure of those rules in, in that regard. There's no godfathers in Hin- for the Hindu people. I don't even understand that. I mean, what is it? What is a godfather? Like it's just your good friend. I mean, no. I, I, what no, role do they play? To be, it's supposed to be like your spiritual guider, essentially. But like, yeah, it's, why it's would like you want to? I mean, your family. He's your guy. I, I you know he's your guy. It's, <laughs> it's your guy in the family. You got one guy you can go to. You got your godfather. Got a godfather. Godfather, godfather seems like a very empty. It, it seems just like a very uh, title based uh, thing, right? You know, in jobs, they'll they'll say to you, "Hey, we'll give you this sweet new title, but it doesn't come with a pay increase." That happens in some jobs. I, that's kind of what I feel like a godfather is. Kind of like assistant to the regional manager type of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Why true? Good. Good referee right there. No, I I think we're sullying the godfather name. I I actually vow to be a godfather for many people in my life the more people that you're a godfather more for the more people appreciate the kind of guidance that you can provide someone in molding young men and women through this world but the point that i'm trying to make is that it seems like a very in practice it's just a name what are you doing on a day-to-day week-to-week month-to-month year-to-year basis guidance as godfather are you really like do godfathers actually like do do people go to their best friend as opposed to their family to provide it's it's a resource yeah it's someone outside the traditional chain of command of a family so not a mother not a father not a brother not a sister someone outside that familial unit it's supposed to be within the catholic faith as well so you're going to be they're going to be showing up to your confirmations you know your to your baptisms to your communion like all those type things but you know they're also uh kind of like a consigliere on the side where you can call them up granted i don't do this with my godfather haven't talked to him about maybe 28 years at this point but generally speaking that's what godfathers do i love the consigliere drop i mean you know what we got to shoehorn in here you know what reference what film reference we got to go with right I mean, it's a dodgeball call right there. So is that where you're going or are we thinking a little deeper? No, that's exactly where I'm going. Michelle. Right, sometimes, the, yeah, the answer is just right in front of your face sometimes. Yeah, yeah. you got you got your godfather consigliaries. You got your fitness consigliaries like Michelle. Uh, but big news out of the Subramanian camp. 
Shark, you're in D.C. right now. It is, of course, election night. What's the scuttlebutt over there? I saw you roaming the streets. How are we, how are we looking? I was in the streets. I mean, it's it's uh, a lot of energy in the in the air right now. I'll tell you that much. I live right by the White House, so I went. Uh, you know, I did my run. I do my run. Run for about twenty minutes, seven minute, forty five minute mile. No, no big deal. Cooled it down. Started walking across Lafayette Square along K Street. There, dropped in, popped in, and wanted to see what the scene was about. And it honestly, gave me a vibe of like a SEC pregame, except for political nerds, where like you can feel the you can feel the um excitement in the air you got drums playing in the background you got flags waving in the air you got people talking busting around looking on their phones filming stuff it was literally like if uh i mean i'm not going to call it alabama lsu type lsu uh, sec atmosphere but maybe like an arkansas tennessee or something yeah I mean, judging by your snaps, it sounds like that that would be the case. Taylor, you're in a a battleground state there in Arizona. I'm sure you're just looking forward to the political ads. I saw your tweet ending uh, and also the text. The texts are what drive me up the wall. I read something today that Arizona was the highest rate of uh, like spam mail, spam text, most money spent, whatever, all that bullshit. You know, the, the thing that even bothers me more as a realtor, some who someone who really uh, vehemently uh, cares about uh, his the look of the town that he lives in and the property values and things of that nature. There are so many damn signs that just are all the way up, like a quarter mile now at this point up from each intersection. It just looks so trashy, in my opinion, like all of the political signs, you know, where it's like, God, this just looks like shit. So I'm excited for those to be done, too. I would like those to be abolished. That's what I want on the next election cycle. I don't even fucking care who gets voted into president or anything like that. What I want is the abolition or abolishment of roadside uh, political signs. That's how I feel about it. But I am going to go step out into the city a little later, grab some sushi with friend of the program, Travis Church, who is in town. Uh, polls in Arizona don't close till seven. So I can't imagine the city is going to burn down until about eight or nine at the earliest. So probably enough time to grab grab some dinner. Shout out Travis Church. I appreciate him letting you go here for these uh, 30, 40 so minutes while we're recording. But of course, this is going to be a reprieve, hopefully, for some individuals that uh, want to just listen to college basketball talk as opposed to uh, the election. So why don't we go can ahead? Say, before before you do that, can I just say one thing to kind of tie this knot right here between politics and college hoops? Tie it up. Before, before we came into the show, I was watching a little bit of Wolf Blitzer. Blitzer giving me vibes of like Gumble revealing the bracket when he's revealing which state, you know, who wins each state. I'll put it that way. Like well, they, it, there's a little bit of suspense, that little sip of suspense where it's going to be blue or red. It's like, it's almost as if who is falling into the eight, nine matchup in the top left bracket. Well, you know what their tagline is? It's the road to two seventy, right? I mean, th- there's the road to the final four. There's a lot of parallels right there. And also let me tell another parallel between Gumble and Wolf Blitzer. These two guys we were raised on. Everyone is raised on these guys. Wolf Blitzer and Greg Gumble also kind of look like they've never aged. They've always just been old and fat respectively since we were young boys. And I mean, these guys are like, I, I tweeted this Wolf Blitzer's like the Cal Ripken of anchors guy just bodies presidential elections. Greg Gumble. Bodies the reveal show every single year. So I like that. I like that parallel. 
the more we go down that rabbit hole, the I, I'm just realizing right now, I've seen two anchors in airports across America. I saw Wolf Blitzer and Reagan probably four years ago, and I saw Greg Gumbel in the Houston airport about five years ago at my buddy's bachelor party. So this is all coming together. It's all aligning right now. Blitzer, well, Gumbel. Funny enough, if you walk through any airport at any time, the only anchor you'll ever see on TV as well is Wolf Blitzer bringing, you know, bringing it all together. Just want to mention, speaking of airports, I'm glad you brought that up so I didn't have to go way out of my way to complain about McCarran one more time on this program. But God, that fucking airport sucks. I was there last week, as you guys know, and just having to walk seven miles after two, two and a half days in Vegas to get from like the security to your gate is just the most absurdly dumb thing ever. But we don't, we, I know I, not to be a dead horse about McCarran, but God, that place is just fucking terrible. Just a couple of misers. Only, only you two can make Vegas sound so morose, but uh, let's go ahead and dive into some of these topics here. I want to give a shout out to a great friend of the program, Brendan Brady Stonebolt O'Rourke. He had a great tweet that actually got retweeted by the Big East Network or one of the Big East Twitter accounts verified. And it was a great question. They basically said, who are some of the players in the Big East that have terrorized your teams? Who are some of the guys that when you line up, when you look at the schedule, you're like, oh, fuck, we got to play Villanova. Colin Gillespie's going to get up in our ass, right? We got to play this team. This player is going to easily go for 25 and 12 or something. So I wanted to pose the question to you fellas. Taylor, we'll obviously take the Arizona route. Shark, I'm going to ask you to represent the ACC with your BC fandom and also the SEC with your volunteer fandom. Taylor, I'll go to you first, though, as an Arizona guy. Who were some of the players since we've started watching them? I'm not talking like pre-2008. Mm-hmm. Who are some of the players that have really just stuck in your craw? So I have a pretty long list here, and I'll try not to go through all of them because some are so oddly specific that you you really would have had to watch Arizona basketball like at 1 a.m. Eastern. People like Joe Burton with Oregon State. Uh, some Oregon State actually beat us three or four times early in our collegiate career, so that was a little annoying. Uh, one other guy for Oregon State was Roland Shaftenar, uh, a, who was actually an all-Pac-10 player at the time. Um, some more notable names, though, are people like Isaiah Thomas, who unfortunately, uh, one of Gus Johnson's best calls is uh, in our in, intro. Yeah, right. Is cold blooded is Isaiah Thomas. Um, Alan Crabb got us for a number of years from Cal. Um, yeah, you know, of, co- of course, there's James Harden and those those years with ASU. Uh, a couple Didn't other Alan there- Crabb have like a career high, like 40 some odd points in Tucson. Yeah, this like the same year that we got Jimmered, which was another person that got us was Jimmer Fredette for that McHale Center record number of points, Jimmer Fredette. Um, you know, some teams that stuck out to me during that time are obviously UCLA, that's our biggest rival, so that's an that's an easy one. Um, Oregon has actually gotten the best of us a lot as of late. Um, a couple teams that are surprising in non conference that we tend to play every year are Gonzaga and UNLV. And um UNLV actually Arizona overall across the entirety history of the program has a losing record to UNLV, one of the few programs that they do. Um, but in our time, which is equally as surprising, we are three and three against UNLV. A couple times we went into Vegas, flew into McCarran, was just pissed off walking through the airport that we lost as a top five team, uh, I think once in overtime and then once with DeAndre Ayton. Um, 
and then Gonzaga, we're uh, four and four against as well. Uh, so those teams are always good battles. Uh, you know, I think I, I don't want to take the real cream of the crop of the team that we're most annoyed with in our college basketball career that is not in the Pac-10 or Pac-12. And I think I will let you handle the team that is non-conference in the Big Ten. Similar colors to us that we probably despise more than almost any other individual player on this list. Well, their football season's pretty fucked, it would appear at this point. And obviously you're talking about Wisconsin, you're probably talking about Sam Decker, Frank Kaminsky especially, but I'm going to pivot to the Shark real quick. And why don't we start in the SEC because the ACC has so many good players, so many talented players. Who are some of the guys that just gave the Vols fits? Well, there's only one guy that's really going to be standing out to me out of all this because there's obviously great players that have tormented me throughout the years. The one guy that I'm thinking of is in the ACC, and I'll bring him up afterwards. But to kind of just take like these those uh, traditional pains in my ass that would just eat me up all the time were um, Sindorius Thornwell on South Carolina, just always did everything against Tennessee, and Alex Poitras. Both those guys, not very skilled. Poitras on Kentucky, not very skilled, wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily fill up the box score Uh, Thornwell obviously was awesome with South Carolina when they went to the final four, but those guys were just absolute terrors that would go against me. Jordan Mickey, another one that played for LSU for a little bit. Um, he eventually went to Oklahoma state, but he would hit big shots against us. So I always think of those guys. And of course, Marshall Henderson as well. Um, you know, he was a menace in the sec during my time, uh, throughout that, you know, that run. But if I were to identify one person that just absolutely body bagged me every single game, no matter the scenario, no matter how good my team was, no matter where it was, it it was Matt Farrell on Notre Dame against Boston College. There was one game where he scored, I think he scored 40 points. He hit 10 threes. He didn't miss any shots. And believe it or not, Matty Farrell did commit to BC at first um, to Steve Donahue, but when Jim Christian came in, he decommitted, went to Notre Dame and devoted his life to absolutely murdering me on Saturdays. That's a nugget. I didn't know that about Matty Farrell. Another little nugget. I spent a year in Bridgewater, New Jersey. That's where Farrell's from. Let's unpack a couple of these though, real quick. Is there extra salt in the wound knowing that Alex Poitras is from Tennessee also? Isn't he a local kid? He is. Uh no. Just because, um, you know, it's hard to pass up Kentucky for someone like that. And he, he made the best out of, I mean, he was a god in Kentucky because he played all the time and he stayed there for three or four years. So he, he made the best out of a Kentucky career. I almost like would value that over someone, say, a, uh, like a Scalabissier or someone that just stayed for two seasons was cool for those two years and then never really made anything out of it. Poitras could probably go back whenever he wanted and be a king there. Well, Poitras tore his ACL, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably kinda, in his fourth year. So. Uh, no, I think it was one of. I think it was his like first or second year. I thought that's kind of like was the oh, reason was that, that he stayed for so long at Kentucky. Unless I'm wrong. Well, he also uh, just wasn't. No, I mean, he also just wasn't ever really to someone at the next oh, level sure. to go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, but I think you know that those Kentucky teams, the whole deal was just everybody go, no matter what. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I feel like he got hurt. Yeah. His, his junior year, I guess is when he got hurt. Um, yeah, but he so, was always a contributor when no, you're correct. Yeah. 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 I just, but I, I think that, that 14, 15 team, I know everybody left and they were, uh, you know, he probably could have left, I would imagine after his junior year instead of his senior year. But yeah, I, I think those guys, 
uh, that are just at any program for four years that just fuck with you the whole time, which is the worst because you know what you're going to get going in every time. Yeah. A couple of names that resonated with me, Taylor, Peyton Pritchard. That's your boy, Shark. And also another mm-hmm. little salt in the wound. Uh, Matty Farrell's also your boy. So it's always tough coming to grips with if you, you know you want to be as neutral as possible, but then you're like, fuck these guys. And we admittedly were I was wrong about Peyton Pritchard. I was, but Peyton Pritchard put us in the ground. Joe Young, another Oregon point guard. I don't know if he necessarily buried us so much, but he just really annoyed me because he won Pac-12 player of the year over TJ McConnell, which to this day I think is still an injustice. But Joe Young, Peyton Pritchard, a couple ducks that have pissed me off. Let's not forget about the big man, Thomas Welsh at UCLA. I don't think he's ever missed a mid-range jumper in his entire life, especially in McHale Center. Thomas Welsh, I'd loved, I, I'm too, I was too lazy, but I would have loved to see his uh, shooting percentage against the Wildcats. Another UCLA guy, I kind of did a little bit of crowdsourcing, pulled some Arizona fans. Uh, a couple of people said Shabazz Muhammad. Shabazz, Shabazz did play very well against Arizona in his lone year at UCLA. I'm, I'm going to interrupt. I'm going to interrupt you there. The reason that he he is so hated is kind of like the same reason I hate I hate Tony Roten. Is that these guys are not good shooters, right? And they would go like I think uh, Shabazz Muhammad went like seven of nine from three one game against us, and I think he only probably only hit like twenty five threes the whole year. Uh, Tony Roten, similarly, one game in McHale Center, he went four of 18 from the field. Three of those were threes. Two of them were 35 feet from the basket, bank in, end of, uh, end of the shot clock threes. So I know I, that Shabazz Muhammad one I know is specifically because one game he went like bonkers from three, and he's not even a shooter. Well, I think Shabazz got steered towards UCLA because of some Adidas relationship his dad had so you know he may not have even been at ucla but shabazz is another guy that pissed me off trace tinkle he's a heisman house or not heisman house excuse me van wilder house guy trace tinkle was at oregon state playing for his father for what felt like 10 years and he was always the best player on the team i don't i forget if he shared a team with gary payton jr but trace tinkle was uh, was one of the best scorers in the Pac-12. So we always brought it against Arizona. Let's not forget about Rehard Kuksix at ASU. Annoying as fuck. He would always hit some corner three. Another guy on ASU, Cody Justice. Cody Justice had one of the better shooting strokes. Uh, and th- these are two guys that were just, uh, they were annoying. They weren't very great, but they would always give Arizona fits. And then last but not least, a little bit more representation to spread it around the Pac-12, Jorge Gutierrez. You guys remember Jorge Gutierrez, the point guard for Cal? Pac-12 player of the year. I mean, that's that should tell you how god awful the Pac-12 was during that era, and they they still kind of are pretty bad. But if Jorge Gutierrez is winning Pac-12 players of the year, uh, you got an issue. But those are some of the guys that really pissed me off. Yeah, Jorge Gutierrez is from Chihuahua, Mexico, if I remember correctly as well, uh, just because the name sticks out in my head. Uh, a couple people on the ASU team, just actually that whole roster was just so annoying. Derek Glasser, Ty Abbott were also super annoying on that team. Um, and one other guy that I'd like to bring up in here too is uh, um, Michael Roll was extremely, uh, extremely annoying, uh, but I can't remember his name, but UCLA guy, the ta- who was the tatted, not Reeves Nelson, was also annoying. <laughs> we could go through this list forever, I guess. But who was the guy that was all tatted up? The Euro guy, the shooter with the he, had that, I think. he always yeah he always had that faux hawk. That was I pretty. think it was Nikola Dragovich. 
something something along those lines. Yeah, he was, and he yeah, he was always a big shit talker after literally doing anything. So yeah, this list could go on forever. Um, if I had to pick one one guy that I was most annoyed with, simply it would be that Wisconsin team, Sam Decker, Frank Kaminsky, though, because all these guys are Pac-12 players that you knew you were going to have to play every year. The fact that we had to play what it was essentially the national player of the year, back-to-back years in the Elite Eight, and he torched us both times, probably makes him my very number one least favorite person that uh, as a fan. Him and Sam yeah. Decker are probably tied. Yeah, and on the flip side, you expect a Jimmer explosion, and that's exactly what he gave you. And Jimmer is one of the most likable athletes, I feel like, of the past two decades. So those are a couple names that we wanted to throw out. We'd love to hear from you. I'll tweet it out. Who are some of the players that have absolutely tormented you? So, Shark, I want to ask you, though, do you have – I know this was mainly conference-related, but do you have a, like a specific non-conference team that just annoys the shit out of you over and over? That's a good question. Um, Not to put you on the spot. It's the whole point. We don't I mean, want to. I got to take. Per- oh, well, yeah, I mean, I got put. I got put on the spot last week by Sub on like a very inflammatory question regarding. Uh, what were we talking about last week? But I got your reaction or your approach between uh, yeah, it's, Chambers it's, it's, and. Well, you know, I mean, give a guy some time to collect his thoughts before you ask him to distinguish between Greg Marshall and another hot topic. But hey, I, I was a great answer that I had. Really phenomenal answer. Well thought out. Took my pause. Did what I had to do. And I just used this time right now to come up with, with Purdue for you, Taylor. Because Purdue fucking sucks. I hate them. They broke my heart in Louisville two years ago, three years ago. Um, Ryan Klein, still haven't forgot. And that'll be my answer to this question. I'll never forgive him. A lot of teams, a lot of players have been the cause of, of our hurt. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to another quick topic. The matchups for the 2020 ACC Big Ten Challenge were announced uh, this past Friday, and they'll take place on December 8th and December 9th. Here are some of the big-time games, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on what looks most enticing to you. Duke hosting Illinois. That's probably going to be a top 10, top 12 matchup. Iowa hosting North Carolina. Iowa, arguably the best player in college basketball in Luka Garza. Ohio State at Notre Dame. Uh, that's going to be a good game with between two programs that are looking to continue their success, at least for Ohio State. Notre Dame trying to bounce back. And honestly, that could be a, a preview almost to a college football playoff, Ohio State and Notre Dame. Purdue at Miami. That seemed a little bit intriguing. Two teams uh, that are trying to rebound after, after poor seasons last year. And then Louisville at Wisconsin. Wisconsin always tough. Louisville coming off of a really good year last year. Uh, Shark, I'm going to kick it to you. Out of these names right here, out of these games, was there anything that really jumped off the page and what you're looking forward to the most? I would say Iowa and North Carolina. And the only reason I say I wouldn't have picked this if it was three weeks ago, but I'm beginning to notice a trend of kind of like the hipster college basketball fans where everyone is kind of zigging against Iowa now. They're saying, oh, I, I, Iowa is going to be a bust. Iowa is going to fail as if that's some kind of hot topic that you want to go on. I don't think that's the case. And they're rightfully pointing their to their defensive metrics last year, but they were literally returning everyone. Um, so I, I don't think Iowa is going to fail at all. And I think they'll blow out North Carolina in this one. So that would be my one that I'm looking most forward to at this point, because I can't stand people that make picks just to be trendy. Well, you know who one of those individuals was, was right. I, I know who one was. I'm not going to say his name on the show. Though. 
you know, you know that I know that you know. Taylor, what are your what are your thoughts on these slate of games? Does anything jump out to you? Yeah, well, I just want to say I'm glad you brought that up about Iowa because I'm looking forward to our discussion about them in our preview because I feel like we're kind of all kind of bullish on Iowa. And I hate people who sometimes – we talked about this last year during our previews, and we will this year too. Uh, you know, some people say, oh, they're returning everybody. They're going to be awesome, and they're going to get better, which is generally how I think, you know, not most of the time. But there's a lot of people who are like, well, yeah, look at last year. You know, their defensive metrics. All this bullshit, right? Not expecting or not remembering that these guys are like 18, 19 years old and they're probably going to get better from year to year. That's kind of like the whole point of this college basketball process, right? So I'm glad you brought up that that Iowa point. Well, I'm kinda, except for Alex Alex Poythers never really what? got better. Well, yeah, Torres ACL, man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm interested to see uh, what Michigan State looks like this year. Uh, obviously losing uh you know some key players uh you know maybe battle of the hauser brothers right yeah there. and that's thank yeah, thank you that's what i was gonna say yeah very interesting in that uh that should get a lot of national play i'm sure just in that alone i think the indiana florida state game would be uh pretty interesting considering that indiana beat florida state last year um and as we often like to bring up as one of our fun facts just how successful Florida state and Leonard Hamilton really has been in the ACC, probably the singular most underrated maybe program of, you know, in terms of where they finished in their conference over the last decade or two. Um, and so I, I, I think that's an interesting one. Plus it's a kind of a, you know, an important year, let's call it in Indiana where they need to have some real success. Uh, I, I think Iowa, like you said, is going to uh, beat North Carolina, but that's another, another one that's kind of the same. It's kind of a big year for North Carolina. Not that Roy Williams is on the hot seat or anything like that, but to see, you know, if they're any better, but uh, I, I think that North Carolina, Iowa game is the number one that sticks out to me too. Cause I really do want to see how good Iowa is and I I hope that they're good. I like Luca Garza. I like them as a whole, and so I hope that they good. They're good, and I hope that they win that game. Shame on me for not including Virginia, Michigan State. I didn't know that that was was on the docket. So hand up, I'll take a lap for that. Uh, the other game that really fires me up: Duke hosting Illinois. Uh, let's see what Underwood's boys can do, and you know how much I love Underwood. But they have majority of their team coming back. They actually might be better than Duke roster wise. Uh, Coaching advantage, obviously, you have to give to Coach K, but that's going to be a fantastic game in Cameron Indoor. I'm also really excited to watch the Louisville-Wisconsin game because Louisville, while talented, has kind of developed this reputation for being soft in big-time games, especially on the road. Now, they who could forget that epic collapse against Zion and that Duke team at home? But going into Madison and coming out with a win, would I think that'll – that'll get some ear that'll that'll ruffle some feathers that'll get some people to pay attention to Louisville and see if if they're actually for real. So, uh those are two games that I'm very much looking forward to. The Louisville Wisconsin game and Duke in Illinois. So, this might be a hot take and feel free to tell me if I'm wrong. Do this year's matchups seem like really fucking good in comparison to I, I know that that's always really good, but I I feel like like 12 of the matchups are good. You're not, you're not getting, you're not going to get a ton of blowouts. Like uh, some years you get like a Northwestern against Duke and that's 
doesn't really Taylor. This go is anywhere, this is you know? this is the uh, Denzel Washington playing Malcolm X. All oh, this brother starving because this is pretty much every single year. There's great well, matchups. I, I, I know you're that. just starving for college basketball after not having it since like February. Well, why I, I just why I bring that up is because Illinois is better this year. Iowa is better this year. Uh, just some of the maybe the non-traditional great schools are also great at basketball this year. And I, I think mean, that maybe, they, maybe that's why I, I, I'm thinking that. I personally could do without a Georgetown, Nebraska game or a Pitt Northwestern one, but I, whatever floats your boat. I might've stretched Purdue Miami too. I, I mean, someone on this program predicted them to win the big 10 last year. So they could have been okay, but in the end we're, they weren't. So we're, we're I mean, if I'm, slate clean. if I'm in a position where, like, let's call 20, what's it, 21 Jump Street? Is that the name of the movie? 29 Jump Street? What are you going to reference? If, if, if 21 Jump Street's on TV and George Tech Nebraska's on one of the channels, I'm probably going to tune into a little bit of 21 Jump Street right there. <laughs> I think you could use a, a, another film because 21 Jump Street's not too yeah. bad. Brie Larson in that film. <laughs> why? Why? Why was yeah, that the reference? Because <laughs> I, I see that it shows up on TV a lot. You know, it's like one of those Comedy Central ones that they throw on all the time. Like they used to do Step Brothers five years ago. Now it's Twenty One Jump Street. Twenty One Jump Street is actually it's it's a decent comparison. I I think it's funnier than a lot of people are giving it credit for. Well, yeah, I yeah. mean it's just something that you would find on TV, like a realistic scenario for a show, a movie that's on TV. What do you, I mean, sure. you, want, you want me to say Devil Wears Prada? Devil Wears Prada. Honestly, I might watch Devil Wears Prada over Prada's uh, good film. Prada's over Northwestern Pitt. Actually, I would definitely watch Prada. Yeah, so would I. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But some really great matchups, though, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. I'm looking forward to uh, some other big games, too. Yeah, uh, Meryl Streep. How do you go with Anne Hathaway? So greatest actress of all time, potentially, in Meryl Streep. But Vincent Chase. He's in that, too. Many chases in that. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get to our very Peter. last topic before <laughs> where am I in hugs? No, we're not doing where am I? Sorry, you got bracketology and hugs, but uh, real quick, last topic uh, a couple updates on these transfers. Mac McClung, he's it received a, a waiver to play immediately. Shark, you fired up for that? McClung is your boy. I had, I had to come off mute right there, I didn't realize I was going to get the ball again that quickly. Yeah, I mean. Good for him. Uh, the unfortunate, I feel bad for all these guys that are like all in for this one season. Their their crescendo was going to be the 2020, 2021 season. And then it's going to be like, okay, um, you're all playing in conference regular season games and March Madness won't, won't look very similar to what we expected. Sorry, McClung. It's all about opportunity. And then Michigan's Chandi Brown receives an immediate uh, eligibility waiver. Uh, he transferred from, from Wake, Wake Forest. Yeah. Oh, that's, that guy used to kill me. Now, that as you say his name out loud, Chandi, that guy used to eat me up too. Put him on my list. Chandi Brown on the list. He's on Thank another you. list. Uh, it's it's a list of really good Wake Forest players that just le- are leaving. Olivier Saar uh, is eligible to play for Kentucky. Two guys that were really good for the Wake Forest program, and I think they left because I mean I, I didn't can I know jump we in had this much that? allegiance to, we, to Danny Manning. I can we can we cool it on the? I know I just jumped in like three straight times right here, but can we cool it on the Olivier Saar hype that's coming around here for Kentucky Vietnam? Guys, a bum. All right, continue. Olivier Sars bump? 
I don't. I don't think he's a bum. He's a pretty damn good player. I think that he's a good, um, good front court B- option for the Wildcats. Bum. bum. I mean, I think that's a little bit of the Vols coming out in you, but I mean, that, that, I'm, the point that I'm trying to make is that Wake Forest losing all this talent after Danny Manning was uh, pretty much kicked to the curb, but Chandi Brown eligible to play for Michigan. Taylor, any thoughts on on this uh, immediate eligibility waiver? Well, I just looked up Shondi Brown's stats against BC, and they're all like single-digit games. So I think he might just be like big in your shots, head. No, no, big, <laughs> like crucial shots in the game. That's what I'm trying to identify here. Yeah, I mean, he was he was in a, uh, a Clydesdale. So that's what we were looking for. But he would hit big shots. They're small things. All right. So um, not to go back to Mac McClung, but obviously I think that's kind of is – he, is he the biggest – is Mac McClung the most important transfer to be eligible this year? Uh, I don't know. They got they got good talent at Texas Tech. Is he the biggest uh, name? Maybe to he be? might be the biggest name. Yeah, okay. and I think it also helps that he's a like short white kid from from Virginia that can throw down, and he's Riff Raff's nephew or something like that. That helps too. <laughs> well, and he's replacing your boy. He's he's really not that great. Mac McClung's like not that awesome. Well, and he's going to take your uh your boy. Uh, uh, what's his name? Ready spot there. Uh, essentially the same, you know, same position. Didn't he go? He went pro in Europe, didn't he? Or is Which he guy? back? Oh, Davide. Yeah, he's in Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is my exactly. guy. Thank you. Yeah, right. So, uh, Shawnee Brown, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess he'll probably have, I don't know, as good of an impact as like most normal senior guard transfers are. I mean, I, I not to be like overly pessimistic about this, but there's a lot of good guards that transfers like, that are like senior grad transfers and, and whatnot. Um, I'm happy that a lot of these guys are receiving uh, the, these waivers um, despite uh, Sharks Moreau's view of uh, these guys being eligible for a year that might not be normal. It's probably better than sitting a year and what if this shit continues into next year and then you just sat for a year for no reason. So uh, that would be my only, you know, my only thought on that is it, you, you got to play when you can play, I guess would be the thought. I'll tell you who doesn't like it. Cause he just keeps throwing out sardonic tweets. Every time someone gets a immediate eligibility waiver, it's John Rothstein he says the NCAA just keeps handing these out like seedless watermelon at a 4th of July party. So Rothstein, not, not into these uh, players being able to play immediately, but we did want to give you that update. Mac McClung, he'll be playing. Sean D. Brown will be playing. Uh, let's go ahead and get to our interview with new father. So I'm the uncle, the new father and great friend of the program, loyal listener from day one, Patrick Doyle. All right. We now welcome to the program, longtime listener, loyal listener from day one and new father. That's probably your most rewarding title at this point. The King Doyle, Patrick Doyle. How are you, Patrick? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. Kind of stepped on my, I was going to say, longtime listener, first time caller. Really looking forward to it. <laughs> and, uh, Kind of took it from me, but I'm happy to be here. Apologize. I apologize <laughs> for stealing your thunder there. Uh, but I want to talk. I opened the program today about me being an uncle, you being a father. How has the day-to-day changed? Tell yes. us about this past yeah. week, essentially. Well, I you're welcome for making you an uncle. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's a lot less – I mean, people always talk about 
oh, no sleep, but uh, kind of just think that they're being dramatic and, and they're not. It's, it's true. <laughs> uh, it's still kind of surreal. hasn't really hit in yet because we've been in like our little bubble of still adjusting and haven't like had to go back to work or anything yet. Um, but it, it's pretty awesome being a dad, you know, he's a little, little, little ball of, <laughs> of fun and energy and, and, and sleep and, and shit. It's <laughs> finally shitting, which is nice. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I, what I thought it would be like, but it's, it's pretty fun. How many hours of sleep on average would you say you get? Because you, you saw some wood, you saw wood when you sleep. I do. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, before the kid uh, got here, I realized, all right, I'm going to be an adult. And I went and I got a CPAP machine to, to address the sleep apnea. One, because I, if I'm going to get less sleep, I need to make it higher quality. But then two, also to, to make it a little easier when, when baby James is, is asleep in the room, not all of a sudden startle him awake. So I, uh, I don't snore as much with the machine on. But I, I, I think we're averaging about like two and a half hours a night when we take shifts. Um, so I, that's I, fucking terrifying. I didn't know it was <laughs> that low. I thought you were getting maybe like four. No. Well, it's going to get better, I think. Uh, James wasn't, uh, for some reason, I, I don't know, the, the, his diet wasn't right. So he couldn't be put down. He had to be baby in arms 24 7. So if you put him down, he was crying. So there was no. No, nobody got to really sleep until he his next feeding. It was in arms the whole time. Well, congratulations again to give the theater goers some context. We are broadcasting right now from Lebanon, Ohio, which is what about 30, 40 minutes away from Dayton, right? Yeah, it's a small town between Dayton and Cincinnati. Um, I I think it's technically probably more Cincinnati. We have the Cincinnati media market, so. Uh, Good Bengal games here instead of Browns, which is a little frustrating. But yes, it's uh, Southwest Ohio in, in all its glory. And so you're a flyer. The, the Flyers had a fantastic year last year, of course, cut short by COVID 19. They had a wonderful player in Obi Toppin who is projected to be a lottery pick. I want to talk a little bit about your Flyer fandom and the emotions you went through last year. We actually saw a game together at UD Arena. I've spoken very highly of the place. Uh, tell us about last year and how it was watching easily the best Flyers team in, I don't know, how long? Uh, in my lifetime, for sure, which is, um, you know, the, the they had they, they made the NCAA finals once, like back in the 50s or something. So Did they really? I think so. <laughs> All right. But it, it was definitely the best team. And I, I want to be careful about, like, getting called out later when I say I'm an Ohio State fan, too, and a Dayton basketball fan. So I just got to put it out there. That I do, I do like both. Um, my my dad teaches at Dayton. I went to Dayton. My dad and brother are still season ticket holders, so like we definitely, it's all around the family. And uh, having moved back to Ohio last season, went with my brother to like five six games. It was just electric in there. It's a, it's a great atmosphere. So it was uh, it was heartbreaking, honestly. I mean, it's it's tough as a Browns fan. You, you have a lot of like terrible things that happen <laughs> to you, like fandom. Uh, but this one, it hurt a little differently because it, it was, it sort of felt like, like a one time shot thing to, to really make a statement. Uh, but actually 
since that happened, things have sort of turned around a little bit and recruiting is up. They got, they have their best recruiting class ever. And Anthony Grant is still there. <laughs> he didn't go. I know the Penn state job is open now and, and I saw some rumors about it, but I'm hoping he stays. Um, I, the, the two, they got two four-star recruits in the last two weeks, which is including one that Arizona was trying for. So I'm, uh, the future is bright, hopefully. Yeah, two programs probably trending in different directions, which really irks me. I want to bring up what you had uh, mentioned, actually, is your Ohio State fandom. So this has been a point of contention with me and you. This has also been something that Taylor and I have brought up. But why is it that it, it seems like Ohio is the one state more so than almost any other fucking state where you are able to just root for the Buckeyes? but you can also root for the school that you went to. And I feel like there's a lot of options here in, in Ohio to root for, for teams that are good. And it seems very convenient for you to be a Buckeyes fan. So I'm going to give you the platform here to tell me and some other, I'm not going to listen to it, but you can try yeah. the others to, to make your case as to why it's okay to root for 10, 15 teams like you do. Yeah. And after I spell this out, I think you should do a Twitter poll. See, see if I convince anybody. Okay. Do you, do you have to have gone to the university to be a fan of that school's sports programs? Which uh, I think there's, there's a pretty big distinction in, in Ohio between basketball and football. For Everyone's Ohio State fan for football, and then they like their own school for basketball. That, that, that happens a lot. I'm actually kind of a little bit of an outlier in that I just stayed straight Buckeye, um, which even then – when they play each other, I, I I would root for whoever it would mean more for, which is actually usually Dayton because Dayton needs a quality win to get in the sneak into the tournament. If Ohio State loses, it doesn't really matter that much. Right. I I was pulling for Ohio State when uh, when Dayton ended Aaron Kraft's glorious career, which I don't know if we'll be picking that uh, picking that bone later. Uh, Wait, that was that a was that a tournament game? Dayton beat Ohio State. Because I feel like I've asked you a hypothetical. Who would you root for in a head-to-head? I, yeah, was that was a real game. Uh, yeah, they they uh, they played, and then uh, they also played in the NIT, like Jamar Butler here. Right. Um, so they they played they played a few times. I, I've got they might have played. I didn't think they played in like a postseason game though. Well, the NIT didn't matter. It weren't as high stakes. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're two teams that kind of always float around sort of the same area of uh, eight, nine seeds and things. So, I mean, they, they play. Let's talk topping for a second here. I didn't get to answer the question. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, the, the points, the points that, and I, that's my fault for talking. I mean, I know I have my two minutes or whatever. No, 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 you paused. That's all. <laughs> I, I didn't I, I didn't punt on the question though that the the big points that I think about on on why you get to put root for who you want which I noticed when you guys talked about uh, your your little rankings you guys all said you were UNC fans which I found disgusting uh, as children um, but whatever I guess teach their own I, I I don't think that you had to go to a school to be a fan of it because there are such a uh, big amount of the population who doesn't go to school, who hasn't gone to school yet, who went to a school that doesn't have a particular program. Hence, like at Dayton, there is not really a Division I scholarship program to root for in football. So then you're kind of a free agent. But also, I was an Ohio State football fan 
my whole life, the 18 years before I went to college. And a lot of my buddies that went, that became firefighters or whatever else they did, trade school, they're also Buckeye fans. And I, I think it's uh, elitist of, of you to, to try to, to take that away from them. Because if you don't have a degree from, from, the, from the university. So we are a very welcoming program. We are not an elitist program. Uh, I want to bring up this one caveat, though. You keep bringing up football. I'm not, you're not on trial for football. You're not on trial for being a Buckeye football fan. You're on trial because you have gone to a school that has a Division I basketball program. Yeah. So many people are asking, why does, why does Patty here get to celebrate uh, Greg Oden and get to celebrate Mike Conley going to the national title game? He has Dayton. That should be your team. Well, it's called. And, it's called- and hang on, hang on. Last year, somehow, the reverse happened. You had an all-star, like, one or two-loss team, and Ohio State wasn't as great. They were good, but Ohio Dayton State was a number one seed. finally getting rid of that fat foul machine who should, we shouldn't have to run our offense through. We are done with the Western years. Ohio <laughs> State is great now. But I, it, it's, it's something we like. It's a big thing down here in southwest Ohio, and it's called loyalty. Okay. <laughs> I was a Buckeye fan before I was a UD Flyer. And it's just, I didn't want to switch. Were you a Buckeye fan before your dad was a UD Flyer? My dad worked at Dayton before I was born. So you've had Dayton in your blood prior to Ohio State? Yes. There it was an opportunity. There's a choice. And I made a choice. I went with just to, to keep it aligned. Which, like my brothers, they're, they're Browns, Indian. I mean, they're Browns, Cavs, Reds. I'm Browns, Indians, Cavs. I'm straight Cleveland. I'm straight Ohio State. Who's the Reds fan? Tommy and Mikey. My, <laughs> they're not Indians fans. They're they're fine with them. Uh-huh. ALNL, like they would love to see them play in the World Series. Like it's not like they're rivals. They hate them, but I like to just okay. This is my school. This is my city's teams. I'm rooting for. We we have a buddy. Uh, we, we we've texted about it recently. Our buddy Corey who has. A Broncos team, a Cubs team, uh, a, a Baylor, like just his teams are spread out across the map. And I, I just find it disgusting. Like, <laughs> pick a city, pick pick a place, and just and pull for them, rep them. The, don't don't pick and choose. Now can I get to Obi Toppin? Of course. Obi Toppin is considered to be a lottery pick. Cleveland Cavaliers, who you just admitted, are one is your NBA team. I think are in the lottery. I haven't looked at the NBA draft projections or, or the uh, uh, order yet. Five. They're at five? Okay. Cavs are at five. Cavs are at five. Very familiar territory for you and the Cavs. Now we're usually a little higher. Higher. Yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah, depending on your, on your boat. The, the, the boat tie luck kind of ran out for us. Yeah, that's because that, that <laughs> creepy kid's like 15 now. I'm pretty sure he's special needs. Right? Well, if that's the case, I'll take it back. I'm sorry, Dan Gilbert. But – Obi Toppin, would you? Could you see him fall into the Cavs? And if so, how elated would you be? I would be pumped. There, there's a. I have a best case and a worst case. There's, there's a few teams out there. Like we were talking about it the other day, where like when Ohio State football players end up like, just don't go to the Steelers, please. Uh, Obi Toppin going number two would be really cool, but Obi Toppin going to the Golden State Warriors would like ruin the NBA for me. Like I'm just not gonna watch anymore. <laughs> I, 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 Cavs is awesome. Twenty eight other teams is fine. 
Golden State Warriors, I, it, it can't happen. So I, while I want him to get paid and go as early as possible and, you know, the top three lottery picks for some reason feels better than the top five, uh, I just can't have him go to Golden State. It was sort of like the when Game of Thrones was ending, I, I was like, I don't really care what happens as long as Daenerys dies and doesn't win. I, the, it, anything else can happen and I'll be happy. And so when it, when it happened, which sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, it can't be as good. There's, there's definitely like a statute of limitations. On that's that. true. That, that's very true. But I, I was, it didn't really matter what happened. I don't care where he goes as long as it's not Golden State. If, if it could have been, if it can be the Cavs, I'll be pumped. But more importantly, it's not Golden State. Okay. So I want you to now tell me a little bit about Obi and what he meant to the city of Dayton. Because it's always fun to get behind a team when they're when they're great, but you had that additional layer, which was a star player, the Naismith Player of the Year in Obi Toppin. What what was it like rooting for that one individual guy? Yeah, so he, I mean, I've never met him or anything, but he just seems like a super nice, down to earth person, which I think a lot of it came from because when we recruited him. He was like eight inches shorter yeah. <laughs> than he is now. Uh, but he, the Dayton Arena, UD Arena is already like an electrifying place. And just even when they kind of have mediocre teams, it's still a sellout and just everyone is is into it. Like it's it's sort of uh, like, you know, if you, I don't know if you ever went to a baseball game at Yankee Stadium where everyone watches every pitch, which is kind of a unique thing, but doesn't happen at most places. The, the Flyers are... A, it's an experience that, that it's, it's difficult to describe when you have a player like him to add like a cherry on top. Like when we went to the game together, he grabbed a rebound. It was like a simple rebound. It wasn't like over anyone, but it was just, he made it look so graceful and it was super athletic that it, it's like jaw dropping. And I, I kind of wonder if that's just what like going to Kentucky game, <laughs> that, that's just what they all are. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we're not used to it. Um, but I, I really don't think so. I mean, he he made this season more fun. And that's what, what what's kind of special about it is it's already fun. Like, everyone loves it already. To be able to add an extra layer was something I didn't really think was almost possible. I think you got to essentially take his National Player of the Year as your title as well. At least you got some sort of hardware yeah. out of the last year. Um, I was hoping we would do something like uh, the – Florida declaring that I think they did Florida state, like the Florida state had just said, all right, Florida yeah. state. <laughs> well, <laughs> UCF. <laughs> no, UCF did football this year. I'm pretty sure Florida state is what the, the state of Florida declared Florida state national basketball, basketball champions. Oh, did they? Okay. It's funny. We actually discussed uh, that, how, how underrated Florida state and Leonard Hamilton really is earlier on the show. So glad you brought that up. And you also don't, don't think I, I didn't see, hear that. Game of Thrones, Ruffy, uh, that's how I know you're a, a loyal listener. That's how you shoehorn some theater references in there. Yeah, I mean, I've been here since day one, which I, I really enjoy the program. I'm I'm Team Shark these days. Uh, in the beginning with his Zion take, I, I it was a little iffy, uh, but I've come full circle, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I like the show. Obi Toppin or Aaron Kraft? Who ranks higher in your heart? In my heart? Yes. Well, 
That's a tough one. I what, what, you think I was going to ask you who's a better player? It's very obvious who that is. Well, no, I know who's better. But Aaron Kraft, I watched play for like four years. <laughs> all the And this is back when I was watching literally every single game, like tune, tuning in, not just, oh, I got a DVR, like, and I can watch once my wife goes to sleep uh, <laughs> type, type thing. So, I mean, he – four years of a player in that national spotlight is a little bit more like drives it home in your heart more than just like one great season. Um, so I would say Aaron crafts. He's my boy. Uh, I don't, I don't think I follow Obi Toppin on Twitter and I definitely frequently try to get Aaron craft to engage with me. He hasn't. <laughs> he's, he's, he's my, uh, LeBron to Nick Wright, I guess. So I'm really not, <laughs> now you're just pandering to me, but I'm really not trying to bring this up. But if I told a, a neutral observer, if I told a random person, okay, I have this one with well, this guy, I have a friend of mine, I have a family member of mine, actually, yes, a uh, new father. He went to Dayton and Obi Toppin gave him and the city that he grew up in and the school that he actually went to the greatest year of their lives. And he, Obi Toppin, won National Player of the Year, but he doesn't, like Obi as much as this four-year salt of the earth little guy who couldn't get him past like the elite eight. I mean, how many games? That you didn't go to school there. How many games did Rudy win for Notre Dame? People love Rudy. You don't. Yes, being aware is is cool and important, but there's there are more important things in life like heart and determination. And Aaron Crafts is just rolling in it. I mean, you're really <laughs> slapping all the stereotypes on there. Like that. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to maybe somehow bring up Dockage. And oh, that <laughs> you, you and Shark are made for each other. I Dockage is my boy, and because he loves Aaron Kraft, I think I I, I do. Too. I mean, watching Aaron, he retired from the basketball tournament this year. I think it was the last year he was going to do it. So it was actually like I I've been tuning in the last two years and t- texting you about it and and. Uh, uh, it was really sad knowing, like, okay, this actually finally is. <laughs> like, he didn't even play really in the pros at all. Um, but after this many years, I'm done watching my boy Aaron Kraft. Well, we discussed some of the players that were thorns in our sides as Arizona, Tennessee, and BC fans. I'm sure for the other teams in the Big Ten, Aaron Kraft was that guy for them. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Kraft was probably the most annoying player that he had to suit up against twice every single year. Uh one other point of contention between you and me is our ranking, uh, our rankings, our top 50 rankings that we unveiled this past summer. And I've made it known here on the program, and I'll say it again because I'm a man of accountability, integrity, and honesty. I said that in the strict numerical calculations, Ohio State ranked higher, I think, by one spot than Arizona. But – we take into account – I'm not going to say personal biases because that's not what it is. We take into account other uh, criteria such as how great you've been recently, home court advantage, things like that. I'm going to give you now an opportunity to respond. Uh, do you think we should have gone strictly based on the numbers and not included any sort of outside factors? Well, I'm not a fan of halfway measures. <laughs> if you're going to go historically, who's the greatest program? Here's my algorithm. That's what you do. If you're going to go 
a recency or like what whatever whatever date you want to do last since uh, this millennium since we've been alive so whatever time frame you want to do then do that but don't do an algorithm get the results and say you know what I don't like the way this looks so I'm just gonna flip it I, well, it wasn't just that there was some reasoning behind it and it was, you guys weren't the only ones that fell victim to that yeah UCLA I'm guessing no. We were all in agreement in our top five. Those are great programs. It's not just agreement, but what did your algorithm say? No, I think the algorithm had them at, at two. You didn't move any up there. No, I, I don't think we moved them at all. I, actually, a lot of the movement came at the bottom. We did a lot of shifting at the bottom, like 45 through 50. But like I said, I'm trying to have a, a civil conversation with you. By the way, I don't even have to have this. You didn't even go to Ohio State. I have to belabor <laughs> that point. I I partied at Ohio State quite a bit. I Fair enough. I this is not something I should probably put out on public record, but celebrating Ohio. I've been arrested for celebrating Ohio State victories. All right. I I I have put in the time, the effort. I in in the words from your show, I have chopped wood for Ohio State for 30 years. So I mean you can you can tell me that it doesn't count, but it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Because he used one of the, the phrases that we so often use. All, all, I mean, that's all you have to say. Yeah. All the <laughs> amount of justification, the, the time spent being a fan, all you have to say was, I've chopped wood for a while. That should be your slogan. Yeah. We had John Fanta on the program earlier uh, in the summer. I think it was in, in August or something. John Fanta is a Cleveland guy. And I asked him, hey. Indians. I've been following him since then. Yeah. Huge, yeah he, he, he covers yeah. them. Great reporter. Yeah, he's he's cool. He does a little like live thing after every Indians game. I tuned in a couple times. He, it, I never really called or anything, but <laughs> you should do it next time. John, he's a very very approachable person. I love. Oh him. yeah, he actually uh, just recorded an interview with one of our uh, other good buddies, the the Crier Providence Crier podcast. Make sure to check that out. Shameless plug. But I asked John. I said, "Hey, my buddy Patrick, he has some serious and." very deep rooted opinions on the best wings in Ohio. Yes. And I can't remember what he said. I'll have to maybe replay it. I probably won't do it. I'm too lazy, but Patrick, what are the best, best wings in, in Ohio? So it's important that you stay in Southwest Ohio. If you get, if you get too far North, like I don't even know what the wings are in like Toledo. They're probably Toledo can just go back to Michigan or something. I don't, I don't know. But in Southwest Ohio, there are a number of franchises, and then you can be a, that team. There's two brothers. There's Fr- Frickers and Roosters. They were brothers that broke apart. They're still very similar wings. For a long time, I would have gone with those two. Um, not that any – I mean, people can Google them. <laughs> but if, if you're listening across the country, they're not really outside of Southwest Ohio, Kentucky. There's, some, there's one in Richmond, Indiana. Um, but recently, I have been – and I brought you to here, so I think you can – you can give some validation to this. Good I've wings. been a bunkers guy, which is a, a hole in the wall, one, one place. Yeah. Um, and they, they make breaded wings, uh, lots of different sauces, but they, they are, I think they win best wings in Dayton, which to me means probably best wings in the world. <laughs> my, my wife and I, we've kind of lived in a lot of places. Uh, she was doing travel work. So we've been in a lot of States and, Every we go to bars, 
maybe more than we should. I always get the wings. And I, I need to stop doing it because I'm nine times out of 10 disappointed. But I'm just, all right, I'm going to try these. I'm going to sample them. Uh, and outside of Ohio, I think I've maybe had one or two good chicken wings. I'm going to try this, the place in San Diego that you seem to talk about. Bubs. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. I'm, it's it's on my agenda. But I, 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 I feel myself to be, or I believe that I am a chicken wing connoisseur. And I, I do think that Southwest Ohio is got a lot of great choices. The answer is bonkers. You had a tweet very recently about wing sauce. Yeah. Remind me of that. Was that the teriyaki tweet? I don't like teriyaki sauce at all on anything. But if you're going to put it on chicken wings, no. no. <laughs> this, so don't put it on chicken wings. Yeah. Either. I mean, Absolutely not. No. Okay. Teriyaki, there's no excuse to ever order teriyaki sauce on your chicken wings. I mean, I, I don't order teriyaki on my, my brother Mike well. does, and it's disgusting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think that's my word of the podcast, disgusting. That's okay. I say incredible all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's perfectly fine. But I'm glad we got your, your thoughts on wings. Well, I'm glad we, we got your thoughts on, on Dayton as well. Yeah. I mean, the... The few things that I've, I've wanted to come on and say about that, I think the shark said B-dubs, which is, that's that's the one we kind of go different ways there. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that your listeners are, or at least hopefully want to come to Southwest Ohio for chicken wings now. I mean, I, I can't promise that. I can't <laughs> promise that Southwest Ohio is, is going to be a destination because of what we've covered. But I will say, I don't know of any other college basketball uh, program that highlights Ohio as much as we do. This is now maybe I think our actually our third Ohio representative. We have you, we have Fanta, we have Barstool Reeks from Cincinnati. Actually, two Southwest Ohio people. You had a former Dayton player on back a while ago. Who was that? I didn't know who he was, but he played for Dayton. This is embarrassing now. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you asked him about the Dayton Xavier thing. Uh, which is clearly a dead rivalry. I mean, we, we haven't played in forever. It was the rivalry. Logan Norse. I'm now remembering. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it was Logan Norse. Great guy. Sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, you definitely there, there's a reason that it gets brought up so much, and that's because there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of great programs. Well, I'm glad we were able to have you on the program to highlight it. Anything else you'd like to add or share to the, to the public as a new father, as a Dayton slash Ohio State fan? Any thoughts on the upcoming season? For Ohio State, um, again, this is just like it was last year. I think we're a historically good team. We're not really playing on our opponent. We're playing the spread. Like, yeah, Rutgers suits up against us, but are you I talking have, basketball? Well, you said fo- football. Did I say football? No. I, oh, okay. Okay, that's fine. I just want to make sure that well, it's not. We're in the middle of football season. I, this is a basketball podcast. I'm sorry. That's yeah. okay. No, that's yeah. fine. I'm just saying. Like, Holman, Holman lost some some transfers last year, but we also got like Seth Towns from Harvard. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about, about Columbus what, kid, right? What he can bring, uh, and I'm I'm happy. I'm going to miss Andre Weston. I think he was like a blue guy, uh, but I I'm I'm super pumped to be past Caleb Weston. I, it's not like I hate him as a person, but as a basketball player, I didn't like throw, like running our entire offense for three years through an overweight, mediocre center who got in foul trouble all the time. And so I, I'm, I'm good 
to have Kyle Young in there more. He's a, a bigger, taller Aaron Kraft. <laughs> and Doc is just a huge Kyle Young fan. I like Kyle Young. <laughs> Some suspect tattoos, but I like Kyle Young. What, what, what's his tattoo? He just looks ridiculous. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I think Ohio State will have a, a decent season. I mean, they'll they're a top twenty five team. They'll be in the tournament. Hopefully, make make a little run. I have a lot of respect for Chris Holtman. I think he's done a great job at Ohio State. It is going to be a lot of fun seeing how they do. Uh, Ohio basketball was fantastic last year. You got Ohio State. You had Dayton, even Wright State before they sort of petered out in their conference tournament. I think, but Xavier, Cincinnati, they're they're always going to be players. Yeah, that's something they need to bring back, the Dayton-Wright State, because they're both in the city of Dayton. It used to be the Champ City Classic, and Wright State wasn't really a quality enough of a win for Dayton to play. They kind of canceled it, which is when when Dayton did it to Wright State, I thought, well, yeah, of course that makes sense. But then when Xavier did that to us, <laughs> just the exact situation of, like, we weren't a good enough team for Baby them. Brother. Right? <laughs> and, and I was like, wait a minute, that's unfair. This is bullshit. <laughs> so I – I want to bring back the Gem City Classic, um, Dayton and Wright State. That'd be that'd be a fun thing. Let's go ahead and start it here on Titch, the movement for the Gem City Classic. Patrick, thank you again so much for the time. Congratulations again on being a father. You probably have to go and uh, swaddle the baby, feed the baby, <laughs> yeah. do something, right? See, see what's happening when I go up there. Hopefully, it's not too much chaos. All right, we want to thank Patrick again. Uh, as a reminder, you can listen to us on the Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Let's round it out here, fellas. Let's finish it up. Uh, Shark, can you b- bless us with your Friday bracketology, even though it's not Friday? Not Friday. I also didn't. I did this like two weeks ago. So uh, I'm going to remove two references from um, the last four in. I had Randy Arozarena. Love that guy. Every time I watched, it was like the curse. Every time I watched Arozarena, he'd rip one in the gap or go yard. It was perfect. I loved him. Um, but I'll take him out, and I'm going to put in Patrick Doyle. Doyle's in. That's his name, right? Patrick Doyle? Patrick Doyle, foxhole yeah. guy. He's in the foxhole. foxhole guy, right? He's in the foxhole with me. I love that guy. Down in the trenches with me. He's in. Next thing that's in, the song I Hold On by Dirk Bentley. Huge fan of that song. Sub, you know our little bit that we do with that, right? Can you give it to me? Uh, I'll, I'll say, all right, yeah, you got the uh, we'll give me. Are we parodying yeah. it? No, I mean, I'm just going to say our little game. So we used to do this game where it's like you hear the I uh, hold, play this out at the end of the episode, by the way, on. And then you take someone with the same amount of syllables as I hold on, and you replace that name with that tune. So, for example, Sub, can you give me one? Sean D. Brown, can you hear me, baby? Gus, Mal, Zong. I'm sending it back. I think I'm done. All right, you you had Mao Zedong right there. You could have dropped in. There. <laughs> you got plenty of options right there, but that's a that's Mac, Mac, both transfers would work. McClung, McClung, there we go. Well. That's true. All right, so anyways, that song's in Pelotons. I've been getting into Pelotons of late. I love Pelotons. Great way to break up your day. Uh, you can finance them, pay them off. You don't have to go to spin class. You don't have to do all that. I'm a big, big Peloton guy. And the other thing that's last four in is the first night of the big weekend. And I emphasize the first night, not the second night, the first night. The energy's there, much like in D.C. right now for the selection. You can feel it. You know, you can feel the, the, the palpability in the air. 
First four out, McCarran Airport, we already did that. Uh, I also put in two-point conversion nerds. Hate that. Um, down two scores. Do you go for two in the beginning? Do you go for, you know, I can't stand those nerds. The Sunday afternoon of a big weekend, that is also out. We all know the reasons why. And then the final thing is, you're going to have to visualize this one with me, but the people that use like the emojis with the guy that's screaming and the clapping hands to kind of make a key point after each single word, right? Yeah. So what is it? Each single word. Yeah. Hate that. That's out. Can't stand that. So, so are you saying you can't use either of those at all or you can't use them together? You can't use Either of them. I included both in there to kind of illustrate that I don't stand for either of them. But some people prefer the screaming guy. Some people do the clapping. I just want you all to know that I don't prefer either of those. You see, because I don't screaming guy. Yeah, I don't mind the screaming guy. But I here's what I will say in your defense. That can't be your only response to everything, because that just means you're screaming constantly. You're kind of cheapening the usage of the screaming. In my, in, yeah, my I, opinion, in my opinion, I, I would just say there's no scenario where it's appropriate. It's a terrible tactic. It's something that is um, classless, gutless, and I just don't believe in it. I would have busted out the screaming guy theater in, I forget where the final four was, but when Virginia and Texas Tech went to overtime in the national title game, it's I'd almost. Able, uh, you got to go Farmer Fran in that scenario. Well, yeah, of you course had, we go yeah. Farmer Fran there. Would you go so, screaming I'm, guy or farmer friend? Like immediate reaction. Something big happens. Do you go friend. screaming? Yeah. Thank friend. you. Um, okay. Let's finish it up now with some hugs. Actually, real quick. Sin. Uh. Bond. Thank nice. you. Uh, Taylor, any hugs? Yeah, I'm going to give a hug to uh, Purdue student Joseph Desmond. He is the mascot at Purdue. And uh, he just got arrested this last week at McDonald's at two in the morning uh, for battery. Let me hold on. Let me read this list. Uh, Let's see. Operating a vehicle while intoxicated, battery resulting in bodily injury, endangering a person, disorderly conduct, resisting and resisting arrest. Also had a uh, blood alcohol level of point one seven two. He got in a fight with someone in the parking lot and also hit him with a car. Um, he said that he had gone golfing that day, had seven beers, which I'm sure shark and I could both understand. Oh, why, um, are we, why are we hugging this guy? It's a melon. It's a, should... Like, yeah, this is like, it's a, what are you, it's like, it's a dude. What are you doing? Hug? Because he's clearly losing his, oh. his position as the, I don't as the know. Mascot. I, I'm not yeah. hugging this guy. <laughs> well, I want it to be clear. I mean, this guy's an asshole. Yeah, okay, fine. We're going to do like a you're out of my life. This is my last hug to you. Hug. How's that sound? Shark well, um, probably snitched on him. The guy hates me. <laughs> yeah, actually. It, it was Ryan Klein, actually, is who it was. Um, but then he went to a, a bar called uh, fucking Harry's Chocolate Factory or something like that. He's told police he had four cocktails, assuming they were Boilermakers. And uh, then he went to go get a burger at uh, McDonald's. And so my hug for him is a hug of like, dude, you're you're you've ruined everything now because you're probably getting you're only here because you probably got a scholarship to be the fucking mascot or on the spirit squad or whatever. And now you're getting kicked out of school, I assume. So uh, a melancholy hug for Joe Desmond, kind of love the former Purdue Boilermaker. I kind of love the the tactic, though. Maybe these maybe these cops will take pity on me. I'm I'm the 
I'm the mascot, goddammit. Um, Shark, do you have any hugs? I'll throw a hug to this guy, uh, Wardenberg on Miami. Hurt his foot out for the year. Kid came from New Zealand, came over, wanted to play some ball. Hurt his foot. Can't do it this year. Hug for you. I feel like Miami in both football and basketball just get these guys from New Zealand, Australia, always, all the time. But, yes, hug for him. Uh, Let me throw out a hug to Billy Tubbs, former Oklahoma basketball coach. He passed away at 85. He brought the system known as Billy Ball. So Billy Tubbs and Billy Ball, two fantastic names, roll right off the tongue. You know how much we love alliteration here. Uh, Billy Ball and brought Oklahoma to prominence basically in the 80s. He was battling a form of leukemia since 2015. I mean, that's an incredible battle for the past five years. Uh, And he passed away at his home in Norman. His most famous team was probably the... 1987 90, 1988 team that featured uh, future NBA players like Mookie Blaylock, Harvey Grant, and Stacey King. Uh, he also coached Wayman Tisdale, who, you know, we all know he passed away. And I, I think we might need a Toby Keith ballad, which I had planned on uh, doing and inserting here, but the shark just took over the reins and told me I got to put in Dirks to end it. So oh, what should we do, Dirks or, or Toby? I guess I we could do Dirks um, after the bracketology segment right there, you know, just so it's fr- fresh in their mind, so people can come up with their own I hold on versions of that. Good at it, or we can or we can cut out Taylor's hug for the guy that's going to be rotten in jail for a little bit. Shark is so judgmental of everybody's hugs. You know, he guy doesn't hug anybody for six months and wants to come in here and like tell us who we're supposed to hug or not hug. I hugged Wardenberg. Poor guy. His, his country's done great with COVID. Now he's over here with a bad foot in a country in a state that's infected with COVID. Poor kid. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. Um, all right. Thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. We will catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. It's just an old beat up truck Some say that I should trade up Now that I got some jangle in my pocket But what they don't understand Is it's the miles that make a man I wouldn't trade that thing in for a rocket What they don't know is my dad and me We drove her out to Tennessee She's still here now, he's gone So I hold on It's just an old beat-up box, it's rusty strings across the top It probably don't look like much to you But these dents and scratches in the wood, yeah, that's what makes it sound so good To me it's better than brand new You see this here flat-top guitars, had my back in a million bars Singing every country song So I hold on the things I believe in My faith, your love, our freedom To the things I can count on To keep me going strong Yeah, I hold on Like a strike
you walking in, yeah, let me tell you something. I hold on. I hold on. Can you hear me, baby? I hold on. 